0: To learn who rules over you, simply find out who you are not allowed to criticise. You are listening to ACH, I'm Andy, your host, and before I start today's show, I would like to thank George and Barry for their recent donations. These two gentlemen uh, have set up a a standing order, or a monthly payment, and they send me a little bit each month, which I'm very grateful for, so uh, if any of you would like to do that, folks, please email me at andrewcarringtonhitchcock at hotmail.com. Today is Thursday, so of course it's time for the weekly visit of my good friend. Dr Peter Hammond. So let's uh, bring Peter up now. Peter are you with me?
1: Yes I am. Thank you Andrew.
0: Excellent. Well uh, as usual Peter's come up with uh, a very interesting title and it is the real story of the new Cold War and it might not be what you quite think. So this is going to be fascinating. Uh, Peter where would you like to start us off today?
1: Andrew those of us who lived through the Cold War are struck by the similarities with the current lockdown lunacy and the masquerade campaign against faith and freedom because we really face a war against faith and a war against freedom which the Cold War was too and the COVID war is also a war against faith and freedom during the Cold War the confrontation was between the Communist Soviet Union and the Warsaw Pact nations of Eastern Europe and red China and them versus NATO, North Atlantic Treaty Organization, other Western allies in the free world, and the Berlin Wall, which divided the city, and the Iron Curtain, which divided the continent of Europe, between the communist and the free nations, have been replaced in our time with a masquerade curtain. And those who hold to the Wuhan Health Organization, WHO, lockdown lunacy and the pandemic, panic, absolute paranoia. During the Cold War, many were intimidated into accepting increasingly intrusive state regulations and higher taxes because of fear of the bomb, the atomic bomb, and later the hydrogen bomb, and then intercontinental ballistic missiles and so on. But the bomb was the fear that made many people cower and be intimidated before government regulations, whether on the communist side, the Iron Curtain, or even on the Western side. Well, today populations are being cowered, intimidated into submission to tyrannical governments through persistent, pervasive pandemic paranoia and propaganda and panic mongering by the lamestream media and by the sycophants in the Hollywood blasphemy industry. In the Cold War, we had captive nations. In fact, that was one of the terms Ronald Reagan would speak about, the captive nations uh, behind Iron Curtain. Well, now we have lockdown nations. And throughout the captive nations in the Soviet Union and its Warsaw Pact during the Cold War, there were severe restrictions, restrictions on travel, restrictions on church services, restrictions on worship services, restrictions on outreaches, missions, work, restrictions on your thought, speech. Obviously, there was no freedom of the press, the, the state controlled the press, and there was no freedom of opinion or movement. In fact, they would intimidate people who disagreed, and they would call the people who disagreed with the state propaganda reactionaries. Now, a reactionary could be somebody who said, I'm hungry. I mean, that suggests that a communist country can't provide enough food. And for example, when there was complete and total utter, um, no bread available in the shops in East Germany uh, under the Cold War, uh, it was a matter of, of a national pride of the Marxist party to say there is no shortage of bread. It's just a supply issue. You know, Just like in America, they're saying, Uh, there's not a shortage of fuel, Uh, there's, there's just a problem with supply. Well, yes, that comes down to the same thing, does it not? People are queuing for hours to try and get fuel, and they try and say, but there's no fuel shortage. Well, in the same way that we're saying that in East Germany back during the Cold War, that there's no shortage of bread. Now, the interesting thing is after the collectivization of the farms and all of the different things that obviously couldn't work, and people were warning what was going to happen. next thing there was shortage of food, especially bread and now uh, the the Marxists actually put out a poster at the time in East Germany saying uh, without, uh, without the help of God, we will bring in uh, the harvest and so on." And they were hit with an absolutely um, devastating early uh, rain, which destroyed a lot of the crops and uh, at, at harvest time and out of season. Uh, cold and before you knew it in East Germany they were absolutely um, uh, unable to find bread anywhere and you would have these propagandists on the media saying there's no shortage of bread and they'd quote all kinds of five-year plans and who cares what the politicians say and what the news anchor says you couldn't get bread in the shops but that's standard you know whether you're talking about Russia, China, North Korea this is the way communists work they will have these five-year plans they'll have all these great things that they promise and if you disagree you're a reactionary and the word reactionary would put fear down people's spines because you didn't want to be a reactionary reactionary was you know death penalty type thing uh, at the least you'd get shipped off to siberia uh, to work and die in a slave camp in some arctic hellhole so today you don't have reactionaries what you have is no vaxxers or covert deniers or conspiracy theorists and you know uh, they, they'll they'll find another way of of stigmatizing in the same way that they used to over something like being a reactionary. So today, in the name of combating a virus, there are severe restrictions on travel, and church services, and worship services, and outreaches, and missions, and economic activity, and limitations on your thought. There's acceptable, and there's politically incorrect, and there's hate speech, and because those who hate the truth uh, call the truth hate speech. There's no freedom of speech on these matters. Same with the press. If you want to get things published, you're just going to have to toe the party line and repeat the narrative, the mantra, um, which is the same as it was during the Cold War. Freedom of opinion is being steamrolled over. Freedom of movement is being curtailed. Cultural activities are being suspended or banned. And hundreds of thousands of businesses have been bankrupted and ruined in the name of combating a virus. So... What we are seeing in this new Cold War, this COVID war, this pandemic masquerade war, is countless hundreds of thousands of churches have been shut down. Who knows how many clubs have been closed? Outreaches have been cancelled. Missions have been prevented. I know of some of the most effective missions, I would have said, back in 2019. Uh, Great missions and Bible colleges who haven't had a single outreach in the last 15 months. I mean, it's just staggering, all in the name of combating a virus, which is something of a 99% survival rate. So what we have seen is a war against individuality and a war against personality. You may have noticed back in the past pictures of China, where everyone seemed to be dressed in the same pajamas, with the same kind of uh, hats, for want of a better word, on the same kind of bicycle. And uh, uh, you thought, you know, there's no individuality there. Well, that was the cultural revolution under Mao Zedong. Well, now, uh, with people wearing masks all over the place in public, it seems there's also a war against individuality and personality. Your mouth must be muzzled. Your opinions must be stifled. Your activities must be suppressed. And if not, your posts can be deleted. Your identity must be veiled. Your travel is restricted. And your business has been described as non-essential by the government of all things. To think that politicians can have the audacity to define your life and your work as non-essential. Your business is non-essential, your congregation is non-essential, your sports club, your social and cultural activities are now being described as non-essential by politicians who leech off the productive and loot the public treasury. So this is a new kind of Cold War. During the Cold War, communism uh, was advancing in the name of fighting against the reactionaries and the black marketeers and the counter-revolutionaries. Those are the terms they used: use. Reactionaries, counter-revolutionaries, and black marketeers. So a free market person selling their own products could be called a black marketeer. An evangelist could be called a reactionary. A person who told the truth would be a reactionary. As someone who's an evangelist, well, that's a counter-revolutionary, and so on. And so now during this a Cold War. We're seeing a return to what happened during the Cold War in the Soviet Union and the Warsaw Pact. The state decided who could work, where they could work, how they could work. Travel was restricted, and internal passports were required. How many times I heard in Eastern Europe smuggling through Checkpoint Charlie all the way through Eastern Europe from East Germany and Poland and Czechoslovakia and Yugoslavia and Romania, Hungary, Bulgaria, Albania, every part of of Yugoslavia, show me your papers. Even internal passwords. You just leave a town and there's a permanent post. You've got to stop. There's a permanent boom outside every town and they show me your papers. Where are you coming from? Where are you going? Why are you going there? And so on. And this is becoming a way of life today too in the new Cold War. Show me your papers. In what is meant to be the free world, a communist agenda is being advanced in the name of combating a virus. And between 1945 and 1989, there was a Cold War. Right now, we're involved in a COVID war. Even a covert war, you could say. In the name of combating a virus, which, by the way, interesting how at last, after more than a year of denying its possibility, even the mainstream media are now admitting, and even the U.S. Senate is now admitting, yes, it did originate in the Wuhan Biological Warfare Laboratory, of China. And uh, it was probably released deliberately. Yes, it was a man-made disease. And you could get deleted, you could get deplatformed, you could be called all kinds of horrible things if you had said that uh, even just a few months ago. And many of us were saying it 15 months ago already. And uh, yet uh, the film, Tracking Down the Origins of the Wuhan virus, which came out in May last year, was suppressed and deleted over and over and over by YouTube and others. Uh, because they—they it's called a conspiracy theory, whereas they had top-class experts testifying of these things, that this was a Chinese Communist Party virus, and this was part of what they call asymmetrical warfare, and uh, that this was part of a new Cold War being advanced by China to break down the economies of the West and to advance communist agenda. Well, now what was deleted and condemned in the past, is being even said in the mainstream media, and in the Senate, and it's uh, being proven beyond a shadow of a doubt uh, by people like Senator Rand Paul, who's doing a very good job in exposing the duplicity and the perjury of Fauci. Well, a communist agenda is being advanced today in the name of combating a virus. So, in the name of combating a virus, we are now being propagandized to be persuaded to subject ourselves to some untested toxic DNA altering treatment, which they're calling a vaccination, even though there's many specialists say it's actually not a vaccination. So during the Cold War, communists used indoctrination, isolation and intimidation. Today, during this COVID masquerade war, we're seeing pervasive propaganda, incessant indoctrination and intimidating isolation to stigmatize and threaten those of us who do not want to wear the face mask, or some call it the face diaper, or receive untested experimental toxic injections from companies owned by eugenicists like Bill Gates, who are on public record as having stated their desire to drastically reduce the world's population from over seven billion to under 500 million. That does seem something of a conflict of interest to have eugenicists who want to radically depopulate the world entrusted with vaccines, so-called, which are meant to extend the life expectancy of people who the eugenicists want to cull. I see a serious conflict of interest here. And there's a lot of disturbing reports coming out of thousands of people having died after taking the vaccine in Europe in Britain in the United States, America, and tens of thousands being injured, uh, seriously, seriously injured. Uh, as a result of taking these vaccines. And these are, in many cases, people completely healthy with no uh, prior um, comorbidities or other health issues. Healthy people in the prime of life being uh, virtually paralyzed or killed uh, after taking the vaccines. Uh, absolutely disturbing. And funny that you can have uh, a case of one or two deaths and they will pull an entire pharmaceutical product uh, or uh, from all the shelves around the world or one or two problems with, with a car, and they'll pull the entire stock of cars, all those recalled. Uh, but here you can have a experimental DNA-altering so-called vaccine, which have caused the deaths of thousands, and ah, not a problem, totally acceptable, carry on. Uh, in fact, everyone must get it, and we must stigmatize those who don't. And we're starting to hear stories of, should you remain friends with people who do not take the vaccine? And people who don't take the vaccine should be fired from their jobs and not allowed to come to college or not allowed to travel. And just bizarre looking at these new commissars who seem to have uh, taken up the, uh, the place that the KGB ran during the Cold War and they're wanting to have a far more drastic control than even the communists had of the captive nations during the Cold War in the lockdown nations of today. And so interesting to think those people who used to infect computers with viruses so that they could sell the antivirus software are the same people who are now implicated in this Wuhan coronavirus for which coincidentally they haven't been marketing the so-called vaccines. Now, isn't that interesting when you see people creating a problem for which they want to sell a solution. And sell is the word. There are nine new billionaires in the world as a result of these mandatory or almost mandatory vaccines around the world. And so the amount of people becoming billionaires on selling a vaccine, so-called, for a virus which has a 99% survival rate, why do you even need a vaccine for something that has a 99% survival rate? And in fact, there are medical specialists saying, bacteriologists, virologists saying, you've got a far greater chance of being injured by the vaccine than you have of being injured by the virus. Now, truth is hate. It's hate speech for those who hate the truth. Truth does not fear investigation. Our Lord Jesus Christ declared, you shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free. Why should we need a vaccine for a virus which over 99% have come down with it to recover from? And these medical experts who've investigated, and there's many like Doctors for Truth um, in uh, based in Holland, but all over Europe with over 10,000 medical specialists and practitioners agreeing with them. And there's Robert F. Kennedy Jr.'s Children's Health Defense website and the Truth About Vaccines series, which is, is an excellent 10-part series. I've seen nine of the documentaries of the 10-part series, absolutely excellent. Uh, top-class, high-quality, uh, world-renowned experts, first-hand reports, and if anyone hasn't seen those, the Truth About Vaccines videos, they must, certainly should, certainly if they're considering taking the so-called experimental DNA-altering vaccine. People should see the Truth About Vaccines first to make an informed choice. Now, why do vaccine companies need indemnity from liability and It does seem bizarre that you need to be tested to even know that you have the virus. I never need to be tested to know if I had bilharzia, malaria, tick bite fever. It was obvious. (laughs) The symptoms were so obvious. To take a test was uh, ridiculous. So how bad is a virus when you have to be tested to know that you've got it? And when most people are so-called asymptomatic, well, that means you don't have it. And at any one time, there's all kinds of bacteria and viruses in our body which you don't know about unless you test it uh, because you have no symptoms because your internal immunity system is coping with it. And so to say the person sick with something, but the asymptomatic means they're not sick with it, that your body's got cancer in it. It's all sorts of things. It doesn't mean you're sick with cancer. It's normal, a normal healthy body immune system is coping with a v- vast amount of different things at any one time. And uh, you wouldn't know about it unless they did a test. So it seems bizarre there are those who want to threaten and force us to have a vaccine for which companies which produce them are indemnified against liability. If the disease is so serious, why do you need to be tested and know that you have it? If the vaccine is so safe, why do vaccine producing companies need indemnity from liability? Now, people need to ask, is there an agenda? And I've got a book on the shelf here called The Naked Communist, which was published in 1962 by Cleon Skoson The Naked Communist. Well, on the 10th of January 1963, the official communist goals as published and exposed in this book were read into the congressional record in the United States. Now, here's just a few selected items from the published communist agenda. See if you think any of these have advanced um, in recent years uh, or if they've accelerated under the new Cold War or COVID war. These are communist goals as exposed in the book, The Naked Communist and published from the Communist Party's own goals. Number one, gain control of the schools. Use schools, public schools, as transmission belts for socialism. Gain control of teachers' associations. Put the party line in textbooks. I wonder, have they made any advance in that? Number two, gain control of all student newspapers. Number three, infiltrate the press. Gain control of book review assignments, editorial policy, policymaking positions. Hmm. Have we seen any Marxist control in the news media? Number four, gain control of key positions in radio, TV, and motion pictures. Well, in fact, I think it's pretty obvious who's gained control there. In fact, already back in the 1930s, it was said that the Communist Party was the only party in town, speaking of Hollywood. And they gained control very early. From early 1920s, Stalin made it a high priority to gain control of the motion picture industry, then growing up around Hollywood. Next, continue discrediting culture by degrading all forms of artistic expression, eliminate all good sculpture from parks and buildings, substitute shapeless, awkward, meaningless forms. Gain control of art critics and directors of art museums to promote ugliness, repulsiveness, and meaningless art to debase the culture. Think cancel culture here. Next, eliminate all laws governing obscenity by calling obscen- uh, censorship, calling any laws governing or controlling publications, calling it censorship and a violation of free speech and the free press, even though it's not speech or press. But anyway, in name of that, um, allow blasphemy and pornography and all kinds of perversion to be allowed. But now, of course, it's gone further to censoring critical speech by calling it hate speech. Break down cultural stands of morality by promoting pornography and obscenity in books, magazines, motion pictures, radio, TV, and in the arts and theatre. Next, present homosexuality, degeneracy and promiscuity as normal, natural and healthy. Infiltrate the churches and replace revealed religion with social religion. Discredit the Bible. Transfer some of the powers of arrest from the police to social agencies. Treat all behavioral problems as psychiatric disorders, which no one but psychiatrists can understand or treat. Now, that, of course, was done in the Soviet Union with actually locked up people in psychiatric prisons because they said they uh, must be insane because they don't believe in scientific socialism or evolutionism or anything else like that. And so to see how the psychiatric pr- uh, profession could be uh, infiltrated dominate the psychiatric profession and use mental health laws as a means of gaining coercive control over those who oppose communist goals. And tens of thousands of people, tens of thousands of pastors even, were locked up in the Soviet Union during the Cold War under the guise of mental health. Discredit the family as an institution, encourage promiscuity and easy divorce. Emphasize the need to raise children away from the negative influence of parents, attribute prejudices, mental blocks, and retarding of children to the suppressive influence of parents." Now, those are just as few of the goals of the communists publicly uh, um, uh, declared in their own agendas and books, which is revealed in Naked Communist by Cleon Scosin, published in 1962, written in the Congressional Record 1963. Now, just 30 years ago, I listed the humanist agenda in South Africa, and see how many of these have advanced or accelerated under the new Cold War. Man is a product of evolutionary chance, and this theory must be taught as a fact of science in schools and the media. Education must be controlled by the state. Education must be secular, free of moral absolutes, and non-Christian. Sex education schools should be compulsory. Pornography should be allowed as a free speech. Abortion is a woman's right. Homosexuality is an acceptable alternative lifestyle. Criminals are victims of society requiring treatment and rehabilitation. The right of citizens to obtain, own, and use firearms for self-defense must be limited and eventually curtailed. All power and authority must be gradually, progressively centralized in big government. And so you can see the agenda has been advancing and Uh, There's the film Agenda 2, which speaks about uh, the communist agenda and uh, Agenda 21. Well, globalists have been using wars, economic depressions, recessions, population control to undermine Western Christian civilization and bring about their new world order. And they have been doing this through all kinds of different means. But under the COVID cult, under the lockdown lunacy, under the masquerade, we have a new Cold War, which is threatening us. And when you look at how much it's influencing, I would say this new COVID war is actually doing more damage to the world and to the cause of freedom than even the Cold War did in the heyday of the Soviet Union. No law is valid if it violates the Bill of Rights. Freedom is not negotiable. In Britain, we have the common law, we have the, uh, the dooms of King Alfred, we have the laws of Knut. Uh, We have Magna Carta of 1215, and these are meant to be the foundations of all law. But today, we have all these basic freedoms being steamrolled over in the name of combating a virus. The COVID war is doing more damage than even the Communist Cold War did. Freedom of conscience, freedom of thought, freedom of opinion, freedom of belief, freedom of worship, freedom of speech, freedom of movement, all the essential freedoms may not be infringed on, and yet they are being infringed on in the name of advancing a, a medical agenda, in the name of combating a virus, uh, in the name of a medical emergency. But the Bill of Rights is meant to be a rock-solid foundation and no law is meant to violate our chartered rights as Englishmen as defined in Magna Carta, the Great Charter of 1215. And in fact, the monarch must swear to uphold Magna Carta and all the laws of uh, of the kingdom. And in fact, the kingdom is to be ruled in accordance with the laws of God and the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. I mean that's part of the coronation oath. We read in Galatians 5 verse 1, Stand fast therefore in the liberty by which Christ has made us free and do not be entangled again with the yoke of bondage. We are plainly in a new war. We're in a new Cold War. And this is a war against faith and freedom. And we need to recognize that what is being done by the New World Order, by the Wuhan Health Organization, and by their sycophants, who are advancing, whether in the news media or in the entertainment industry or in the educational institutions, whichever way, if people are advancing this masquerade, this lockdown lunacy, this vaccine agenda, uh, then they are actually working against faith and against freedom and against all the essential rights that are meant to be guaranteed by a bill of rights. So I think it's time that we recognize we are in a new Cold War. This is war. And we need to be alert and we need to resist. Uh, I think it's absolutely essential uh, that we resist. There's so much that can be done and should be done in order to stand up against us and not to allow ourselves to be to be bullied uh, by the New World Order. So uh, back to you, Andrew.
0: Thank you so much, Peter. Fascinating information there. And when you look at the parallels between the Communist Manifesto and what's going on today, it's startling. And I think that what they realised is that with, uh, they learnt from the Bolshevik Revolution in Russia and how communism was there when everything was sort of state-controlled. And so that caused um, resentment. And so what they're doing now is it's still all state-controlled but it's via these so-called private companies that can turn around and say to you, oh, you know, you can't come in here, you don't have a mask and we have our people to protect and we're a private company and you can't bank with us or you can't use this, you can't use that because, you know, we don't like your opinions and that could reflect on our brand and we're completely allowed to do this because we're private companies. But then if a baker refuses to make a cake for a LGBTQ couple, then suddenly he doesn't have the right to do that. So, you know, it's very uh, picky in the way that uh, it's implemented. But obviously they give you the idea... That you've got choice and that it's via companies and it's not state control but when you see everything that's being promoted it is communism and communism the real problem that we have is the people that run around who have, have just become awake and it's it's encouraging and, and when i'm talking awake i'm talking awake to what's really going on not this woke nonsense um, no. it's it's encouraging um, that they are seeing uh, this system. But straight away, it's fascism, it's the Nazis, it's the Holocaust, all this sort of stuff, because they've been, they're, what they're trying to do is they're trying to express themselves in addressing what's going on in what they consider the harshest possible way. And for them, what they've been taught is the harshest thing that ever happened in human history. The most tyrannical thing was the Nazis and the Holocaust. They know nothing about communism. And that's by design. But communism, they'll think, well, that's power to the people. Well, yeah, that's how they sell it. Okay, that's the marketing strategy. But obviously, when you see it in practice, it's actually power to a certain elite and nothing for everyone else. uh, Or as minimal as possible to rule out any uh, plans that the rest of us could um, have to resist, you know, keep us as comfortable as they have to in that sense. And then of course, uh that only goes one way as Peter was saying, with the um you know, when they'll, you know, claim that there's a problem with the supply chain and not the supply. And it's funny because I saw this uh this is Wednesday as we're recording this, and this is the front page of the BBC website. Uh Peter headline JBS cyber attack hits world's largest meat supplier and um Basically, they're saying that uh, computer networks at JBS were hacked, temporarily shutting down some operations in Australia, Canada and the US with thousands of workers affected. The company believes the ransomware attack originated from a criminal group likely based in Russia, the White House said. But the interesting (laughs) thing here is, again, this is the world's largest meat processing company. And they talk about the colonial pipeline uh, that caused these uh, shortages of fuel in the US and apparently a $4.4 million dollar ransom was paid. But it seems very low for a multi-billion dollar company that they're only being charged $4.4 million. Why didn't they ask for $100 million? The whole thing sounds very fishy to me. And it's, it serves two purposes. One, that they can uh, affect the supply chain, which we knew was coming. And two that it gives them more ammunition to fire at Russia. So, so many strange things are going on in the world. But uh, Peter, over to you for your comments, and then um, we'll also move on to uh, the Palestine conflict, which I know that you wanted to cover on today's show.
1: Yes, I think uh, once we understand that we're in a Cold War and that this is a new method or an extension of the Cold War to be able to advance a communist agenda... Once we understand that, then, of course, the question is, well, what can we practically do to resist? Well, I've got a few key suggestions here. Uh, the first thing is we've got to be informed. We need to be interceding. We need to be involved. And uh, I get those sort of from the book of Nehemiah, how to rebuild the walls when everything's broken down. And, and of course, information is the first thing. Intercession is the next. And then involvement, implementation. We all can do something, invest. So there's, there's a whole lot of eyes that help guide us. To work, and in our particular part of the world, here in in Cape Town, South Africa, at the utmost parts of the earth, at the southernmost tip of Africa, astride the Atlantic and Indian Ocean, the only city based on two oceans at the junction. So, uh, here in Cape Town, we're working for independence, for secession, for freedom. We are wanting to secede from South Africa and uh, establish Cape Town as a and and the Cape Province as the Cape of Good Hope as a free and independent state. Now. The People can be talking about secession, and I've seen successful secessions like in South Sudan, uh, in Latvia, Lithuania, Estonia, Croatia, Slovenia from Yugoslavia, Czech and Slovakia, which is the velvet divorce. Uh, I've seen uh, a whole lot of countries break free in my lifetime, and, and I've been very impressed at, at how uh, this can solve a lot of problems and end wars when you redraw the maps in, in a way that that's more Uh, logical centralization is always bad. Think Babylon, Nineveh, Egypt, pyramid, that sort of thing. Uh, What we want is decentralization. So, but the first thing is if we are wanting freedom and we want to work for independence, we need to break free personally. We need to be free and independent systematically breaking the shackles that bind us. We do not want to be dependent on the state. We do not want to be in bondage to the banks. We do not want to be reliant on state structures or corrupt politicians or banksters, big pharma or big tech. So, practical steps that we can take for secession, independence, and freedom include education, not indoctrination. We need to secede from state indoctrination gulags. I mean, sorry, but that's what public schools have become. We need to ensure that our children and grandchildren receive a real home based education, not a state indoctrination. And then we need to secede from the Hollywood blasphemy, exploitation, defilement industry. Why would we want to continue to allow cocaine-sniffing, drug addicts, blaspheming antichrist pagans, pedophiles and predators like the Harvey Weinsteins of this world to exploit entertainment to defile us with a degrading degeneracy? We need to secede from the mainstream media, or the lamestream media, should we call it, because we want information, not disinformation. Instead of distraction from the real issues and deception from Slime Magazine, Newspeak, Useless News and World Report, the Communist News Network, CNN, the BBC, the Bolshevik Broadcasting Corporation, the Sunday Crimes. We need to choose to rather support alternative news media. We want real news, not fake news. And we need to invest in home education, build up a library of books and audiovisual resources, which include examples of excellence, Bible-based solutions, a Christian worldview, one of the best things my wife and I ever did was deciding TV would not be part of a home. We decided that 31 years ago when we got married and we would home educate our children. And that was excellent. We've had four children, we've got three grandchildren and I must say giving them a home-based education with excellent textbooks and so on was so refreshing. We saved ourselves a lot of grief. I can tell you, now my oldest daughter now is 30 and she's got three children. So we've got three grandchildren and Interestingly enough, none of my children, uh, even though they are spread out from age 22 up to 30, none of them ever rebelled, ever left the faith, ever got anti-parents, ever screamed, shouted, slammed the door on us. We have all of our children and grandchildren living in our home in Cape Town. They're not bombshelled all over the world. None of them have ever got caught up in uh, drugs or drink or smoking or uh, tattoos or body piercing or uh, any of these. You know, they haven't had divorces and uh, broken hearts and broken relationships and all this sort of thing. The, our children have been spared all that. They haven't been protected uh, in the sense that they've been isolated from the world. We haven't been like the Amish. They've been out in the world. They've been on missions. They've been uh, involved in uh, a lot of very big um, projects. My my uh, eldest daughter studied at Christian university in America and got a journalism degree there and made made cum laude, I mean, all on homeschooling. She's got a full uh, scholarship, full four-year scholarship um, uh, on the basis of academic uh, credentials and abilities in homeschooling. And uh, uh, she managed to excel. And uh, my second daughter, uh, Daniela, she earned national colours to represent a country internationally in ice skating, in America, in Italy, and France. And uh, she has sung as part of the Cape Youth Choir, all over Europe as far as Riga and the Choir Olympics, uh, representing a country in that, and she's an ice skating instructor and artist and so on uh, with a very successful uh, career. In fact, she earns more than her parents do. (laughs) And uh, (laughs) my uh, first son, our third born, uh, he got national colors to represent a country in karate, and he represented a country overseas on numerous world events four times, and he came back with medals, bronze medals for our country and international events in karate. Uh, Now, all of our children have managed to achieve these things on a base of homeschooling. They didn't suffer academically. They've excelled in tertiary education afterwards, uh, after having a home education basis. But they didn't go through the absolute heartrending destruction that if they had been subjected to the indoctrination and sexual propaganda, uh, I'd call child abuse going on a lot of the schools. Uh, Who knows how that would have turned out? But uh, I just highly recommend homeschooling. And for that reason, I actually uh, wrote different history books because I was concerned that that we didn't have good enough history books uh, in our uh, curriculums. So I wrote sketches from South African history, Victorious Christians Who Changed the World, which has 32 chapters, 32 biographies on Christians all the way from the second century to Mary Slesson in the 19th century, uh, going across examples of excellence, the greatest century of reformation, just 16 biographies on the 16 greatest reformers, the greatest century of missions, 19 biographies and 19 greatest mysteries in the 19th century. And uh, these are just some of the history books I've, I've written for homeschoolers. And when you know your history, when you're inspired by examples of excellence, you'll be able to resist the guilt manipulators, the Stockholm syndrome, the gaslighting, the psychological guilt attempts to corrupt and conquer and confuse, divide and conquer. It's important that we become self-sufficient. And so uh, planting fruit trees, assuming one, one has a garden, cultivating a vegetable garden, harvesting rainwater from your roof, if feasible, investing in a borehole or solar panels or generators or windmill, Building up a series of backups and alternatives so that in a time of crisis, your family can survive without relying on corrupt and crumbling state structures. And we need to build a strong community network of mutual support with our neighbors using bartering and cooperation. And why should the banks and the tax man get a portion of every transaction? Going to bartering services and goods uh, can actually uh, work so much better and so much cheaper And such a better way of supporting others, people in small businesses who've normally been shut down uh, by the lockdown lunacy, which favors big business. Big business, big tech, big pharma, big government, all work together. And so joining a neighborhood watch, a Rotary Club, Scouts, other community groups, our girls were always in the Girl Guides, the Boys and the Scouts, and that was very helpful. Being a faithful member of your local congregation or home Bible study and prayer fellowship, women's group, mother's group, men's group, Love your neighbor. Be a good neighbor. And in defense skills, we need to take up a martial sport like fencing, sword fighting, archery, target shooting, boxing, karate, kickboxing, mixed martial arts, judo. Uh, I made sure all of my children had a lot of martial sports. And my boys did fencing and karate. And I've made sure everyone in the family is a professional in archery, sword fighting, target shooting, and uh, and other uh, unarmed combat. My one daughter did kickboxing, did very well, in this actually – And uh, uh, we've ensured that uh, we know how to defend ourselves and we know how to fight. And then to join a group who's working for freedom and independence and self-determination. In the Cape, we've got groups like Cape Exit and Cape Independence Action Group and the Cape Party. In South Africa, groups like Afroforum and Sodelanders have been developed and groups that are working to uh, mutually support. There's so much one can do. And uh, I actually wrote a book on security and survival handbook, which you've read, uh, giving some practicals on how a person can uh, provide for their security and respond to crises in this very unstable time. So there's a lot that we can do, but I think it's so important that we secede, secede from fake history, fake news, fake media, fake schools, fake religions, fake economics, fake narratives, fake prophets, corrupt politicians fake preachers and fake teachers secede from the false and from the corrupt and support the good, the constructive, the positive and the true. Invest in your mind. Read and obtain all the training you can. Invest in your children, grandchildren. Ensure that the next generation receive the training, the information and the inspiration they need to resist the New World Order and support organizations that are resisting New World Order. Ensure you register to vote. Be informed, be inspired, work together with like-minded Christians committed to a free and independent country. In your country, you're working for Brexit. In mine, we're working for Cape Exit. But the important thing is to do something positive and to resist. And I love the symbol of the Leipzig prayer meeting, the resistance that brought down the Iron Curtain. Starting in 1981, uh, the Leipzig prayer meeting, praying against the, the Soviet Union, the whole communist system. They'd come with candles and they'd light the different candles and and they'd go home marching on the candles and they'd put a candle in the window in a darkened house. And basically the message was this, light is more powerful than darkness. Truth is more powerful than error. And that not all the darkness can put out the smallest light. And it's a great resistance showing that Christianity is more powerful than communism. Uh, believing in God is more powerful than atheism. Faith is more uh, powerful than fear. And we choose faith, we choose freedom. We do not choose fear. We're not going to buy your panic-mongering propaganda. And so having this mentality of resisting, I think uh, we need to get inspiration from like Daniel and Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Our God whom we serve is able to save us, and he will. But even if he doesn't, we still won't bow before your idols, nor will we serve your gods. Back to you, Andrew.
0: Thank you, Peter. And uh, just one quick question. South Sudan is the world's newest country. And I believe that you were actually involved in its formation. What can you tell us about that? Uh,
1: Very much so, yes. Uh, In fact, from 1995, Sudan became my primary mission field. I'd I'd worked in Mozambique and Angola and Zimbabwe and Congo, Nigeria and Rwanda and so on before that. But from 1995, Sudan became my primary mission field. And I was uh, overcome horrified by the intensity of the conflict. Um, over 2 million had already died by 1995 in this uh, terrible, what they called a civil war between the Muslim Arab North and the Christian Black South. And I hadn't read about it anywhere, and nobody seemed to know about it. So uh, I was told by the people in Sudan, we are hidden people fighting a forgotten war. And they certainly weren't. I remember them saying, do the people in the West pray for us? And I said, I'm sorry to say most people in the West don't even know you exist, but I'm going to try and change that. And I wrote the books, Faith Under the Fine Sudan, which went through three editions, each one double the size of the previous and the last one three times size of the original. And we we sold tens of thousands of those around the world. And I brought in filmmakers, produced films like Sudan, Hidden Holocaust, Terrorism, Persecution, Three Days in Sudan and others, and helped popularize it. I spoke more than a thousand meetings all over the Western world, Europe, America, Australia, South Africa, campaigning for the independence of the South. I got Franklin Graham involved in bringing a Samaritan's Purse hospital in Sudan, which became the biggest project in Samaritan Purse's history, uh, providing medical help to uh, people who had no hospital for something like five million people in the area of Equatoria province of South Sudan. And, and Franklin Graham was, of course, a personal friend of George Bush, Jr., and got uh, um, America more involved in seeking to help the cause of South Sudan's independence. That was a major step forward. And so through through writing and through books and other things, I managed to get sent to Jesse Helms, interested in the Send Foreign Relations Committee, spoke in the BBC World Service about it. And wherever I could, International Society of Human Rights. So I poured heart and soul from uh, particularly 1995 on into the independent South Sudan. And the biggest resistance, interestingly enough, I met from the South Sudanese themselves. The founder of the SPLA, uh, Colonel John Garang, he argued with me uh, saying, What you say is good and right, and it would be ideal, but it'll never happen. Nobody's ever redrawn the map in Africa since the Berlin Conference of uh, uh, 1884 to 1885. Berlin Conference boundaries are sacrosanct to the uh, African Union. They've never redrawn the map. And uh, uh, so he said, there's no chance. All we can do is fight for autonomy. We'll never have independence. And I argued with the founders of... (laughs) of of the SPLA, Sudanese People's Liberation Army, you will always be a persecuted black Christian minority in an Arab Muslim country unless you redraw the map so that you are the majority in your own country. You'll be a minority in your own country if if you don't redraw the map. And interestingly enough, as late as 2001, I was arguing with Commander Silva Keir, second commander of the SPLA um, uh, in Ye, uh, where he had his headquarters, about this importance. And he said, I wish it would happen, but it's not possible. And do you know, 10 years later, he was sworn in as the first president of South Sudan. Commander Silvercure is now President Silvercure of South Sudan. And uh, he didn't even think South Sudan could become a free and independent country recognized and so on, which it now is. And so uh, I praise God that what was one of the worst mission fields, one of the most remote and accessible places in the world where Bibles were banned, where missions were illegal, where it was a no-fly zone, where they uh, you fly, you die. Shoot on sight zone. I smuggled in bibles. I did garden government seminars. I tried to train the people in the necessity of redrawing the map and working for independence. And the first time in the history of Africa that they redrew the map uh, to a a boundary that didn't exist at the Berlin Conference of uh, 1885, and uh, that was South Sudan. 2011, 9th of July, 2011, South Sudan and free and independent country and I do count that as one of the greatest answers to prayer uh, in my lifetime, in my mission work. Back to you, Andrew.
0: Thank you, Peter. So for those of you who think that, um, you know, these uh, Cape Town, Secession, etc., uh, Cape of Good Hope, what have you, is not possible. Peter's already achieved that in, with the, the creation of South Sudan. And so now let's go back to Peter for his take on the conflict in Palestine. Peter, back to you.
1: Very interesting that just last week, Thursday last week, uh, there was a um, a protest march planned in Cape Town at a very central area called Rondebosch Common, uh, which is close to where our mission headquarters is. And so we were informed by our local security company. We've got an armed response security company. Not that we exactly need it because we uh, kind of our own security too. But just in case we're in the field and our uh, secretaries needed to help be part of it, and they informed us students for Palestine will be marching in protest against IDf atrocities uh, in targeting civilians in uh, the West Bank, and that you may want to stay indoors and and avoid this so I thought you know typical missionary <laughs> um, i 've done a lot of work behind enemy lines through the years, and uh, uh, i 've actually found uh, while there are of course the radical jihadists out there and so on. Yet there are many Muslim people who are uh, very hospitable, very open to sharing the gospel with. But when you start, and I've done a lot of door-to-door in Muslim areas, they, they're they hospitable, but but they, they will invite you in. But they are often offended and shocked and surprised how many Christians unquestioningly support anything done by the Jewish states in Israel, the state of Israel, and uh, IDF activities and so on in it, that uh, they they have this wall it's just like a big barrier that they will not listen to what you've got to say uh, if you are pro the jewish state or the zionist as they call him um, and so when i was first involved in learning muslim evangelism one of the finest muslim evangelists in the world uh, Herod niels he's a extraordinary man written lots of great books like uh, christians ask muslims christians answer muslims he set up the magnificent website uh, the message of Nabi Isa, which is what Muslims call Jesus, Nabi Isa, the prophet Jesus. Uh, so he's set up this website, and it's it's how to present the gospel to Muslims and so on. Well, I got to go door-to-door with, with him, and uh, after one of our door-to-door experiences back in the early 1980s, he turned to me and said, Peter, you're wasting your time trying to defend Israel and uh, their policy in Gaza and the West Bank. You'll never win Muslims to Christ by defending a political policy by a secular state. And... Uh, Uh, I was quite confused because at that stage I thought to be a good Christian you had to support unquestioningly anything Jews did and particularly what uh, the State of Israel did. And by listening to what the Muslims had to say, and of course one can't agree with everything they're saying either, but there is a case you cannot defend uh, the uh, targeting of civilians. And so uh, we joined this demonstration last Thursday. I actually drew up posters Um, which we had made targeting of civilians is terrorism. And then underneath we had the verse from Deuteronomy that when you go to war, when you besiege a city, you're not to cut down the trees. And so that uh, obviously there's limits to warfare and targeting of civilians is forbidden. And uh, so targeting of civilians is terrorism. Now, of course, it's terrorism whether the IDF do it or Hamas does it, but targeting of civilians is terrorism. So that was one statement. Another post we designed was love your neighbor with the quote from Mark 12, verse 31, and then two tablets of the law, and then underneath said, for fast relief, take two tablets, referring to two tablets of the law. That would solve a lot of problems if we obeyed God's law, wouldn't it? Do to others you want to be done unto. Love your neighbor. Um, How do I love my neighbor? Well, don't steal your neighbor's life. Don't steal your neighbor's wife. Don't steal your neighbor's property. Don't steal his good name by slander. And don't be jealous and envious, uh, uh, covetous of your neighbor. So the Ten Command sums up how we are to be good neighbors and, and our duties to God and our duties to man. So those are the posts we marched with. And we joined these Muslims marching around Roundabout Common. And, of course, they were quite surprised because <laughs> we might have been the only Christians marching with them. But uh, there were five of us. Uh, we um, marched uh, around, and there was a lot of Palestinian flags. And many of them were wearing these kind of... Um, PLO, Hamas-type red and white uh, um, masks, what do you call them, head coverings, yes. Um, And uh, uh, there were, of course, quite a few Muslim women wearing their normal hijabs and uh, 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 veils and so on. And uh, some of the signs that that we saw the people holding um, made statements like um, uh, here I've got some of their statements, free Palestine, stop calling it a conflict, it is literally genocide not war, it's colonialism, not eviction, it's ethnic cleansing, not conflict, it's occupation, not complicated, it's genocide. Free Palestine. Another one was respect existence or expect resistance. Uh, So uh, those are some of the signs that I saw, and uh, we uh, still need to post some of these interesting pictures. But uh, it's not often I get the opportunity to uh, join uh, Palestinian uh, Muslims in a demonstration Uh, But we were clear that uh, targeting of civilians is terrorism and love your neighbor. And that speaks to both sides, but there's nothing wrong with identifying with people when they have a right cause. And while in no way would we support Hamas, but I saw nothing there that suggested that they did, Uh, but it was a march specifically against the targeting of civilians in Palestine. And I thought, fair enough, let's do that. And interestingly, I've been getting an extraordinary amount of invitations to speak to Muslims uh, over the years about abortion, pornography, gambling, uh, blasphemy. Which, of course, we would agree on those issues. And so, I've even been a guest in Muslim communities. I've spoken in Muslim mosques. I've even been in uh, on their radio stations, numbers of the times. And just recently, I've been invited to several Muslim organised events, including a seminar against vaccinations, masks and lockdowns. And uh, a march against that as well. So, uh, in some ways, we're building relationships uh, with people who are a mission field that we need to reach with the gospel. And um, uh, in other ways, I think it 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 uh, may have been a surprise to some to see Christians walking with the Muslims. But to see that, well, on the issue of targeting civilians, we are in agreement. So, back to you, uh, uh, back to Andrew.
0: Thank you so much Peter and before we go um, we talked a lot today what what I liked about I always enjoy the work you do you're a great asset to uh, the uh, show absolutely Um, but you mentioned homeschooling you mentioned books that you produced and uh, you know you've done the work so where can people go We list your websites in the post for this show so what's the right one for people to go to to look for the homeschooling material?
1: Right. Homeschooling material. We set up 26 years ago, Christian Liberty Books. So you go to www.christianlibertybooks.co.za, or Z-A for Americans. So christianlibertybooks.co.za, that is the website for our books. That includes in-house books. It includes homeschooling books. In fact, the vast majority of our materials are off our home education textbooks or readers. And uh, uh, we've got teachers' manuals student manuals, a whole range of things, audiovisual as well, 6,000 titles in total. So it's quite uh, a wonderful, uh, a growing ministry. And there are schools that use our books, Christian schools and independent schools that use our books as textbooks, a lot of homeschoolers as well. And we've got uh, homeschoolers literally around the world, well, and mostly, of course, from South Africa who are making use of these textbooks. So christianlibertybooks.co.today or email admin at christianlibertybooks.co.today. That's for the, that's for the books thank you Andrew.
0: thank you peter and, uh, and that's the uh, link at the bottom of the post for our show peter has several websites i've just been into our last show um so you'll find it there and that's where you'll find it in this show so that being said i want to thank peter so much for his great presentation today i want to thank all of you for listening you have been listening to the real story of the new cold war Peter and I'll be back with you at the same time next week. I'll of course be back with you tomorrow. And until then folks, have a wonderful day and bye for now.